Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, May 29th. It's Election Day. We speak with Robin Bell from Elections Alberta for a complete breakdown of what you need to know when it comes to casting your ballot. Walkers who use step counters to measure their exercise generally try to hit a goal of about 10,000 steps per day. But depending on your age, that number of steps may not be the most effective use of your time. We find out why less steps may be more beneficial with Dr. Ted Jablonski. And finally, how can you use the power of intentional manifestation to help live your best life? We discuss with author Jennifer Teske, who has written a book on the topic and shares her findings with us on another edition of Motivational Monday. It is election day. If you're heading to the polls today to cast your vote, make sure you have everything you need. And joining us with all the details before you do go out and head to the election poll. Robin Bell is joining us, communications specialist with Elections Alberta. Hi, Robin. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Uh, Very good. I'm guessing you and your team are pretty busy, particularly today. So thanks for joining us and taking some time. What what time do the polls actually open and close today on Election Day? The polls open at 9 a.m. today, and you can vote all the way up until 8 p.m. tonight. Okay, perfect. What do we need to have in our hands, in our hot little hands, when we head to the polls today? Really, the only thing that you really need to have with you is your proof of uh, name and physical address. So if you've got a driver's license or Alberta ID card, that's great. If not, though, there's still many other ways that you can prove that. Um, So I would encourage people to visit our website, elections.ab.ca, and you can see uh, all the pieces of ID that we accept there. You can also bring someone to vouch for you. Uh, So that person just needs to live in the same voting area as you, and uh, they do need to have ID. Uh, If you have your Where to Vote card, that's great, uh, but it's not required to vote. Okay, fantastic. You're making it easy, the bottom line is, for people to be able to exercise their democratic right to vote, correct? Yeah, and that's the key, I think, to helping increase voter turnout is you have to make it easy for people to do that. Yeah. Okay. So if if someone just moved to, or maybe across the city, how do you ensure that you're able to vote in your new riding, for example? If you registered ahead of time, that will help. The vouching option will be a, a great option for you if you know someone in your voting area, which may be difficult if you've just moved. Um, but for those people, you know, it wouldn't hurt to just give us a call at our call center before you head out, uh, and they can help walk you through uh, what you could bring with you to prove your address. And what's that phone number, Rob, in the call center? That is one eight seven seven. Four two two eight six eight three. People have raised some concerns about voting machines and their accuracy, but we know the machines this year, when you, you put your ballot in, you can see that count number come up right away. So are these voting machines reliable? We've heard the concerns and we have multiple safeguards in place to help uh, protect the integrity of the vote. So we conduct logic and accuracy testing before and after voting, um, and that's done in the presence of candidates or their scrutineers. They're never connected to a network. Um, They're always under security, and uh, and we do retain the paper ballots as well. So if, you know, we see the need for a judicial recount, uh, that recount will be a hand count of the paper ballot. A lot of people are talking about this. I don't know if it's actually happening or not, but if I decide that I would like to go to the polling station, but I want to spoil or reject my ballot, what's a ballot? What's the difference between the two and how do we do that? Of course. So a rejected ballot, that would be, you know, if you select multiple candidates, 
submit a blank ballot or write your own response on the ballot, um, that ballot would be rejected. Uh, it is an option available to all voters. Uh, I guess the issue with it is that um, Elections Alberta can't really interpret the reason or make an assumption for why that ballot was rejected. Uh, another option is to decline your ballot. So you would still show up to vote. Uh, an election officer would issue you a ballot and you would just hand it back to them and say, I decline my vote. Um, and the declined ballot, uh, you know, it's really more of an expression of there is no candidate that I wish to endorse today. But those numbers are counted, right? Yeah, both the rejected and declined ballots are counted, and that number will be available in uh, the report that will be issued in the months to come. Uh, but yeah, the declined ballot really speaks to the reason uh, why it was declined more so than a rejected ballot. Okay, and a spoiled ballot, is that the same as rejected, spoiled or rejected? Is that the same thing? So a spoiled ballot is a bit different. That's if uh, you marked your ballot incorrectly, realized your mistake, and inform the election officer of that, they would take your spoiled ballot and they would issue you a new one. Got it. So many terms we need to know, but the declined ballot is certainly an option for people if that's what they want to do. Again, polls open from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Give us that website and the phone number again, Robin, if you would, if people have questions. Yeah, it's elections.ab.ca and our call center is one 422 8683. Thank you, Robin. Robin Bell, Communications Specialist with Elections Alberta. Mornings with Sue and Andy, and uh, from Fitbit to Garmin to the Apple Watch, smartwatches that count your daily number of steps are incredibly popular these days, and chances are, if you're keeping score when it comes to your steps, your goal is most likely to hit 10,000 steps per day, but depending on your age, you may be overdoing it. With details on a new study on the topic, we are joined by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. Well, let's start with you. Personal question. Do you have a smartwatch that counts steps, Dr. J? No, I do not, but my cell phone seems to do it. Okay, you can't get away from it. <laughs> There's an app, and even if I don't want it, it's, it's doing it for True me. Enough. You bet. So we were told 10,000 steps. The new study that comes out says that might not exactly be the case. Tell us about this study. So this is interesting. So I, I, if we go back to the start of the 10,000 steps, this was a marketing gimmick from Japan, a company that made uh, uh, a thing that counted me, uh, your footsteps, so a pedometer at that time. So a very uh, basic thing compared to the Apple Watches and all the gizmos we have today. So a very basic pedometer. They, they figured that 10,000 was a... A nice round number it apparently looked like the symbol the japanese symbol looked like ten thousand so it all lined up perfectly then it became science even though it wasn't science whatsoever <laughs> that number just came to be and everyone endorsed it and loved it and it was a goal to shoot for um now studies are looking at is that really true like you know how close is it to ten thousand if that's really not scientific where does the science show us and they say younger folks around Eight to 10,000 is pretty good because that equates to more than 30 minutes a day of, of uh, moderate activity mm-hmm. five days a week or that 150 minutes, which you hear us talk about over and over and over again in the medical community. That's about eight to 10,000 steps for most younger people. But as you get older, it takes longer to do those steps. So in theory, 
to get 30 minutes in or that 150 minutes a week, you don't need to do eight to 10,000 steps. It becomes closer to 7,000 or 6,000 or less. Hence the whole notion of the studies. They found out that, you know, if you're doing 10,000, you're probably getting more minutes in than you truly need. And maybe that's not ideal, <laughs> but it's such a mixed message and I hate truly. it in some ways, to be honest. Because <laughs> the, more, the more minutes you can be active, it seems would be better for you. And, you know, so it's technically the whole point, I guess, then is it's not about the steps. It's about the amount of time you're spending yeah, being active. That's exactly right, Sue. So there's there's the crux of it. So it's not that if, if you shot for 10,000 uh, and you're getting it and, and you're feeling good and there's no trouble with that, it's not that it's going to be somehow harmful to you, but it's really about the time in. And if you get your time in um, with less steps, you're, you're probably okay and you don't get a huge benefit if you try to go over that. It's all about the time. It's all about putting in that activity and on a pretty consistent basis. Well, but here's the thing. We've covered the steps, uh, as Sue alluded to, and you've talked about, Dr. J. The minutes are what matters. But what about that intensity when it comes to walking? Do I have to look like I'm, you know, those power walkers from the Olympics? Or prancer size. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, or is it a medium pace? What are we talking about? Yeah, medium pace, typically. But again, looking at this count, like if you were 90 years old, <laughs> you know, you're getting a 10,000 steps would take you a day, um, <laughs> you know, as opposed to if you're young and vigorous and walk like, you know, like that Olympic walker, you know, you're almost running. That 10,000 steps is nothing in the sense that that can be done very, very quickly. So it really is, yeah, speed. Now, a moderate pace is what we say, a moderate pace. You should be able to talk, but talk in clip sentences. You shouldn't be able to, to ramble on, you know, without needing a breath. If, if you're walking, that's a bit too slow. So it has to be at a little bit faster pace so you can still talk, but, you know, it's a little bit more difficult. If you're going so fast that you cannot talk even, that you can't, uh, you're, then you're probably pushing harder than you That's have to That's called be. running, Dr. J. That is called, yeah. I know, it is called running, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and even good runners can talk and run, right? Uh, you know, if you're at, at that fitness level, for sure. So obviously the gist is, you know, base your steps according to whatever it is you're trying to achieve and who and how old you are in your fitness level. Absolutely. Yeah, and don't don't be thrown off. Like if somebody is getting more elderly, has some arthritis, you can't get that 10,000 steps in. It's not the end of the world. If you're putting in the effort and you're going a good 30 minutes, whatever, you're, you're, you're going to get that uh, fitness. So it's, you know, I'd hate for people to sort of throw everything away mm-hmm. here. Oh, I can't get 10,000, so I'm not going to do anything. No, not at all. That's not what the message is. And I, 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 I fear it will be, it'll be turned into this. Right, sort of a bit of a negative spin on it, yeah. as opposed to a positive one, which this is 100% positive news. Which is just keep moving more. I, I want to yeah. ask you the difference. When, I, when I've done treadmill versus walking around the block or whatever it might be, I find that, you know, I, I feel a little bit more challenged when I'm actually walking versus a treadmill. Does it matter? Are there benefits uh, to, to either, or does one come out ahead, the treadmill or, or just going for a walk? Well, you're talking to somebody who doesn't like treadmills, but uh, <laughs> so I think it depends. So if you if you have trouble with your knees, um, and a treadmill has a bit of a cushion, 
you can get great benefit by moving and walking without the, the wear and tear on your knees. But walking outside is much more difficult than walking on a treadmill. A treadmill is very, it's basically jumping up and down in a way, um, like you're really not walking per se. So, um, so it all really de- depends on your, your body mechanics, your arthritis, and if you like to be outdoors. I, I find it much healthier to be outdoors and be indoors on a treadmill. Mm-hmm. So me personally, I'm not a big fan of the treadmill. Um, but, but that's, I think if you, if you, that's a really good way for you to get exercise, then do that, even if it's not as efficient. So you might have to go longer on a tre- treadmill to get the same benefit as walking outside or walk, actually walking because it is less efficient and harder to do. Whatever it takes, Dr. J, whatever it takes, right? Let's get out there. Let's get moving. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, You betcha. Appreciate it. Dr. Ted Jablonski is our on-call family physician. I, myself, am going out for a hike today. Yes. Can't wait to get out there. I'm with Dr. J. Treadmill's okay, but fresh air, the bomb. I told you to take a hike. You did, and I'm I'm doing it because I do whatever you tell me. I just find that underfoot, if you're having to think about it, because you're not on a treadmill... And I mean, yeah, you could you could fall off that treadmill, but you can hold the rails. It's the exact same, even if you you know change the incline. But there's different curbs if you're in the city. If you're walking, different rocks and in, in different you know so underfoot. You, you mean it's better because you're yeah, paying attention. I think it's the same you're focused. Way. Yeah, and at the gym when they say you know stand on those BOSU, those both sides up balls. Right. You're you're having to to. I never knew what that meant. It's called the BOSU. It can be a dome I or flat. I never knew it stood for something. The, the, everything stand. If you're not standing for something, you're falling for everything. <laughs> So I think that, that the, the mechanics of walking outdoors, that's what I think. But, uh, you know, if Dr. J's on board, I'm on board. I'm on board, too. I can't believe BOSU stands for BOSU. BOSU. It's a Motivational Monday, and author Jennifer Teske is here to deconstruct the law of attraction in a way that's never been done before and to share compelling tales to help everyone work through the shadows and step into their power. We'll find out exactly what that all means as we say good morning to Jennifer. Hey, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Good morning, Sue. How are you today? Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us on our Motivational Monday. I'm a big believer personally, but for those who may not know, can you explain exactly what the law of attraction is to begin? Yeah, sure. So when you think of the law of attraction, you're actually thinking of two things. Um, You're thinking of a concept known as the law of attraction and a concept known as manifestation. And so um, when you manifest something it's you know you think about something that you want in your life and it actually comes to you but it can come to you in a strange and unusual way and the law of attraction is kind of the workhorse behind the scenes for that so you'll think about a goal or you'll think about something that you want and as you're making your way towards that goal um, you'll have like um, ideal situations that'll just kind of show up in your life and and you have no control over how they come about and it's just weird and it kind of leaves you scratching your head and that's really um sort of what the law of attraction is it's it's the alignment of ideal situations that support manifestations that you um around things that you are interested in having show up in your life jennifer you've written the book on it become a manifesting machine learn to use the law of attraction to embrace your goals create success and live the life of your dreams but uh, you know one a little asterisk to this you look at the law of attraction in a new way kind of from a new angle explain what you mean by that well a lot of people when they're thinking about the law of attraction they they think about something they want in their life and and there are sort of, if you look across the internet, there's a lot of different steps in order for you to actually achieve that, right? And, um, and it's kind of thinking about 
um, creative visualization and thinking about affirmations and just saying what you want over and over again and having that kind of um, help whatever it is you want show up. But really, when you think about the law of attraction, it's not about what you want at all. It's more about how you define yourself. And so you need to think about um, kind of being the way that you want in order for things to appear. And so it's a little bit different because it's not just um, like affirming and visualizing and having things show up. It's um, thinking about what you want and, and defining yourself as somebody who already has that to facilitate things that you want coming in. Can you kind of explain then what that person might look like or might the way they might think in order for this new law of attraction to come their way? Well, see, it's interesting that you should say that because um, every person needs to, to ascertain what that means for themselves. When I was first learning about the law of attraction, I didn't realize that defining yourself was part of it at all. Um, I didn't think that, you know, I had to define myself. I just thought like I come from, you know, the background of the family that I'm in. I have the education that I'm in. I have the job that I'm in and that's who I am and that's how life is. But then when you think about, you know, what you want, you are really essentially kind of stretching the edges of your known world um, and kind of going outside of your comfort zone and thinking about who you could be. And so every person, when they're thinking about the law of attraction, they need to sort of define what that means for themselves about what it is they want and how they could be. And then they use sort of that, they use like who they are in their current world, like, you know, the job that they have or the family that they come from. Um, and then they also think about the things that they want and they use both of them to kind of create this new vision of who they want to be. And then they can act in accordance with that. And that supports the things that they want showing up. Speaking with author Jennifer Teske, you can find out more about what she does at www.jenniferteske.com. And Jennifer, what advice would you give for listeners who may be skeptical about using the power of manifestation or, you know, the law of attraction? Maybe they've tried a little bit but failed. Is there some kind of a kind of an experiment or exercise people can do to, to find find the effects and see some success? Well, you know, it's interesting. When you actually think about manifesting things that you want, there are two elements that come into place. And you hear about this all the time in different um, different formats, but it's really, you know, what you want in your head versus what you want in your heart. And uh, a lot of times when people are going after things that they want, for a lot of us, it, it takes a while to kind of gain the maturity so that this, this sort of subsides, but especially when you're younger. Uh, it's things that you think you should want, right? It's things that you think you should want based on what others are doing or based on what your family tells you. And those are things that you want that's in your head. But if you can kind of get quiet and really think about what you want instinctively from your heart, that's more of an alignment piece. And that is more aligning with who you really are and who you are authentically and how you want to bring yourself and show up in the world. And so I think what happens a lot of times when people are trying to utilize the law of attraction, they'll think about things that they want and they may just kind of, you know, say, I want to win the lottery or I want to, you know, get this great job. And you really need to kind of think about, number one, is that really truly what you want? Because in a lot of cases, sometimes the law of attraction may not work if you are saying something that you want, but deep down, it's not really what you want. And you haven't admitted that to yourself yet. So you want your head and your heart to align with the desires that you'd like to show up in your life. Um, 
And, you know, a second reason why things may not show up is maybe you're not ready to receive desires yet. Maybe there are more things that you need to learn. A lot of what happens in this process when you're thinking about manifestation and you're thinking about things that you want is um, you find that you kind of come, you come up against blocks. And these blocks are blocks in in your belief system because we all have... um, you can call it a fingerprint almost if you want, of of the way that we believe. We all believe things differently. And sometimes these beliefs can actually hinder us from thinking that we deserve the things that we want. So you need to sort of kind of dig deep and um, make sure that what you want is a true desire of your heart. And then as you are working your way towards that, you may come across obstacles. You may come across blocks. And if you do that, you have to kind of be willing to be quiet and settle in and really think about what, um, what it is that's preventing you from moving forward and work through and sort of cultivate a new set of beliefs and change beliefs in order to, uh, you know, make your way forward. And then along those lines, um, you know, the, the thing that you hear a lot is sometimes there's something better that's coming for you. You may think you want something and you may be really focused on it and then it might not happen and you may get really disappointed about it, but it might be because beyond your line of sight, there is something that's better that's coming for you. And so for for people who have tried the law of attraction and maybe it hasn't worked, I would say, you know, perhaps re-look at it, rethink about it because, you know, you may not have um, been really clear on, on what it is you want to bring into your life, or you may have just sort of been kind of trying with your head to force things to come to you rather than really settling and thinking about what's in your heart. Jennifer, we're running out of time, but I wanted to sort of on that line of, of thinking, you talk about gratitude a lot in the manifestation process. Can you give our, our listeners maybe a little tip on how they can cultivate gratitude in their lives? Thinking about the things that you have, right? And, and just um, taking a moment to kind of settle and really appreciate the things that you have around you, even if it's not you're not where you want to be yet. When you have the opportunity to just kind of really be um, grateful and like settle and release tension in your body and just appreciate things that you have, uh, it can help you to relax. It can help you to refocus and it can help you to really just kind of um, be in a place of peace. And then when you're in a place of peace, when you are taking the steps that you need and growing towards who you are going to become, uh, that can be, it's an easier process when you approach it from a place of peace. So just really taking a moment to breathe, to settle, and to release your tension. Jennifer, thanks so much for your time this morning and joining us on Motivational Monday. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate your time very much. That's author Jennifer Teske. Find out more about what she does at www.jenniferteske.com. Her book is Become a Manifesting Machine. Learn to use the law of attraction to embrace your goals, create success, and live the life of your dreams.